there are quite a bit of coverage of genetically modified foods in the media, but a lot of it seems quite emotional. In the often passionate debate about GM foods, it's sometimes difficult to get the real scoop on what is fact versus fiction. Welcome to the Nutrition Tidbits podcast. This is Gloria Tsang, editor in chief for HealthCastle.com. Joining me today is molecular biologist Dr. Lisa Weasel, author of the book Food Fray. She's here today to help us understand the GM food controversy. Welcome to the show, Dr. Weasel. Yes,、yeah, thanks for having me. Now, with any controversial topic, there are always supporters and opponents. What exactly are the two opposite camps debating about? Well, I think that there's a lot of controversy around our food systems today. We see a lot of、uh, food contamination incidents. I think people are having trouble、uh, trusting our food safety regulations. And when you get to a new technology, something that has never been tested out before, that involves moving genes from one species into another species, and then that. That being our food,、um, people can be kind of concerned about: Is this playing God? Do we really have enough safety testing? On the other hand, genetically modified foods, agricultural biotechnology, may have the potential to help us address some of the, the pressing environmental issues that we have: droughts, climate change,、um, and increasing、uh, the security of our food supply globally. As we see the cost of food going up, and we see more and more people. Slipping into food insecurity and hunger around the world, we are looking for better ways to use technology to improve our food security. So I think those are the, the two opposing sides of the debate: the question whether this is a safe and responsible technology for our health and the environment, versus whether it's something that might have good humanitarian outcomes. Now, currently, our foods are not labeled with GM technology. So, what are some of the GM foods that are widely consumed in North America? Yeah, so that's an area where there's a lot of misunderstanding. I, I don't think that people、uh, know which foods have genetically modified ingredients in them, and it's pretty simple. 92% of the soybeans grown in the United States last year were genetically modified. 80% of the corn,、uh, canola,、uh, cottonseed oil, any processed food that has cottonseed oil in it, and、uh, Papayas are also genetically modified. Starting next year, sugar produced from、uh, sugar beets will also contain genetically modified ingredients. But that's basically it in terms of what's out there. So ingredients: soy, corn,、uh, canola, and next year, starting next year, sugar. Now, are there any differences in the nutritional value of food that has been genetically modified? I think that some of the questions about nutritional value and how the genetically modified technologies affect the the entire plant and the the overall biochemistry have yet to be answered. Technically, genetically modified foods are engineered to have two traits. One is a, a gene that allows the plant to resist. The application of herbicides, so the plant will grow even when weed killer herbicides are applied to it. And the second trait is a gene that encodes a, a pesticide protein that kills pests when they they bite into the food. So the genetic modification is not intended to have any nutritional alterations. That said, the overall biochemistry of the plant really hasn't been studied, so there might be some unintended effects、um, that, that do influence the the biochemistry of the plant that will have an outcome. Uh, on the nutritional side, so I think it's the answer to that has not been thoroughly investigated at this point.、Mm-hmm. Now, for many of us, we don't really immediately associate GM foods with growth hormones, but in your book, you have one chapter about that.、Mm-hmm. So, what is the real deal about growth hormones in our milk supply? Yeah, so that's milk that's produced、uh, using recombinant bovine growth hormone. So that's a cow. 
growth factor or cow hormone that's been engineered into bacteria um, using genetically modified techniques. So putting that cow gene into bacteria to produce that hormone and then taking that hormone, putting it back, injecting cows with that, that growth hormone. And that enables the cow to produce more milk. But it has a lot of side effects. And one of those side effects is that it causes the cow to produce higher levels of another growth factor called insulin-like growth factor. That growth factor has been linked in, in high doses to uh, cancer and all kinds of um, negative health outcomes. So I think that's the real concern, is the use of this recombinant growth factor in cows to produce milk altering the milk. And uh, there's been widespread national opposition to this. And a lot of the major retailers, including places like Walmart, Starbucks, have uh, decided not to source milk that's been used, that's been produced using recombinant bovine growth hormone for those reasons, because of the potential safety issues. So consumers really are very aware of the issue of, of growth hormone in the milk. So what are the potential safety issues? What are the health implications of us humans drinking milk that are produced from cows that are injected with this hormone? I think there are a few issues. It's uh, very well documented, and uh, the company that produces the hormone actually includes this on their warning label, that cows that are injected with this growth hormone have an increased incidence of mastitis, which is an infection in the udder. They then have to be given a lot of antibiotics to treat that, those infections and the infection has a side effect of causing pus to be produced in the milk. So the milk from cows that uh, are treated with these hormones can have some contaminants in it. The, obviously, our food safety system tries to screen these things out. We don't want to sell milk that has pus contamination or that has antibiotic use. That's not allowed. But the increased use of antibiotics in, in dairy cattle obviously has, has significant health outcomes. Um, and then the second thing is this issue of what it's doing to the cow's metabolism biochemistry, causing the cow to produce this insulin-like growth factor in the milk. And the levels vary. There haven't been very good standardized tests done on this. So there's some, some debate about whether the small amounts of that hormone, additional hormone in the milk, could have human health effects. And again, a lot of this we haven't had very good regulation of these issues. The regulation has largely been left up to the companies that are producing these, these uh, hormones. So we, don't, we just really don't know the answer. So would organic milk be the answer then for the general public? How do we know that the milk that we're drinking do not contain the growth hormones? So there's been a, a very significant legal debate around labeling milk. And in most states, labels are still uh, allowed to have the milk that's labeled that says produce not using recombinant bovine growth hormone. So you can, you can find those labels. They're very small in most states on, on milk that's, that's not treated with hormones. Uh, the second thing is, yes, as you say, organic. Organic milk doesn't allow the use of, of the hormone at all. So uh, mm -hmm. that would be another way to ensure that you're not getting hormone-treated milk. Great, Dr. Weasel. You obviously have spent a lot of time researching this complicated issue. Do you think GM foods are here to stay? I think they're here to stay in terms of the current technologies. As I said, 92% of the soybeans grown last year in this country, 80% of the corn were genetically modified varieties. And in many cases, farmers can't even source non-GM varieties. But I think that we are seeing a bit of a turning of the tide. Consumers are becoming more aware of their food across the board, how food is produced, what the safety issues are. 
We also have a new administration at the federal level with the USDA, and I think we might see some stronger regulatory guidelines there. We're coming out of an era of deregulation on all fronts, from banking to our food systems. And I think with a lot of the food safety outbreaks we've seen recently, uh, there's a growing awareness that we need to have a better regulatory system. So as much as I don't think we're going to see GM food disappear, I think we might see greater consumer awareness and a greater regulatory impact on, on some of these technologies. Mm, thank you for speaking with us, Dr. Weasel. Sure, thanks for having me. We've been talking to Dr. Lisa Weasel, author of the book Food Fray. For more information about GM foods and healthy eating tidbits, go to healthcastle.com.